Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion Knives. Live from the campus of Top Radio, under the direction of Guido, Scoot, and Johnson, it's the pride of podcasting. It's Got Your Ears On. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot. And whatnot. And Johnson. Sports Siren, Guido. Sports Siren. Sports Siren. Well, before we talk about the lovely Holly Rowe, a couple of things. First of all, welcome once again to Brent Solheim for joining us again this week. We appreciate you coming back and being on the show, Mr. Solheim. Thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure. Always a good time. So before we get into it, guys, I guess the first thing I kind of want to talk about is uh, WVU lost sort of a, a legend, if you will, from the the days of Gail Catlett and basketball. Chris Brooks uh, passed away, I, uh, 54 years old. I think most of us that are in our mid-40s, Johnson, uh, you know, just fondly remember him. The first McDonald's All-American to play for the Mountaineers. Uh, and you know, just always kind of a showman. He, I always liked, he was like the first, I can remember like the first player for WVU that really liked to dunk the ball. Like there was a lot of like cool dunks. Yeah. Fr- so from Brooklyn, um, immediately cool to me as a middle schooler kind of because of that fact. And then just a thunderous dunker on those late eighties, I think like 88 to like 90, 91 Gail Catlett teams. And so I remember like, he, when I remember when Chris Brooks really got going and he really got um, kind of into that, you know, kind of explosive play, he just immediately became like one of those guys that that just like stole the show and was like kind of the star of those teams. So when I saw that uh, come through on social media, I think I actually saw it on Daryl Pru's um, tweets. Yeah. It was just like I think I text you, Guido, and I said, man, that it's that that hurts my heart a little bit because that feels like some of my, you know, like um you know growing up watching wvu that was one of those names that was just like you know you just you comes top of mind when you think about some of those teams when you were a kid so yeah that that was that was terrible that was terrible news and i think too chris brooks is one of those first people that kind of um you know, felt like when you when you were thinking about recruits coming into Gail Catlett, I think I brought up Brooklyn because I think after Chris Brooks came through, then we started to get it felt like we started to get other people behind Chris that were kind of from that that New York City area. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey, so um, I I didn't know Chris Brooks. Uh, he was eight or nine years older than me, but uh, he came back to campus at one point when I was still actively playing, and so I I I met him that one time extremely powerful man. You know, I was 20 years old. He's 28, 29 years old. Super, super strong at that time. It felt like a man coming back and playing with us boys. But uh, Scott, I think you're absolutely right. Um, Lawrence Pollard was one of my teammates. He was a five-year senior and he put on uh, social media that Chris Brooks was the reason why he came here to WVU. And then, you know, Selden Jefferson was very close to Lawrence Pollard as well. And then Gordon Malone came from Brooklyn. And and there was a whole bunch of people in the 90s that came from there. And I honestly think it started with Chris Brooks. Yeah, Chris uh, went on and still, uh, as of today, still holds the shot percentage. at He had 66.3 for his career uh, shot percentage. It still holds that record today for WVU. Sad uh, to see him have passed away for, for and, and the other thing scoot uh you should you should appreciate this i remember chris brooks also just a, another thing i feel like he was the first wvu player to have like a really nice like good like six inch high top fade like he had like a nice 
good high top that's flight. Like a, like, a, like a Kenny Lofton. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He had a he had a really well, that's good kid one, so. and play era, right? So I mean, yeah, come on, is. that was that was a thing. And I just one quick thing too. I remember one thing about Chris Brooks for me. For some reason, once he was in uh, Martinsburg, they uh, had him at a guest at um, North North Martinsburg Middle School, and I was uh, over there, and he was just doing some dunks like just having just having fun in the gym and like kind of showing off for people he was there i think to sign some autographs and stuff i was probably 11 or 12 and he went up for a dunk and i had like gotten up really close in the crowd of kids like up in the front row when he landed he stumbled and he fell right on me okay and i remember being like this is the worst and this is the best thing ever all at the same time. Like I got that close to Chris Brooks, you know, like it was, it was like one of those moments of like, Oh man, I'm always going to remember that. Like, and I remember kids around me were like, Whoa, Chris Brooks, like fella. That was, that was amazing. You know, like funny things you get excited about when you're 12, I guess. But like, I always remember anywhere he went in the state, it was like an event. He was, uh, you know, he was such a cool guy, such a, such a known player on the team. So yeah, that's, that's sad. And I think um, you can tell by the people, you know, former teammates coming out and saying things about him on social media, how much he meant to people. Yeah, definitely. So sad to see him have passed away at 54, former Mountaineer, Chris Brooks. Guys, uh, one exciting story to tell this week. So just to, before we get into basketball with you, Brett, we have, a, we have a little story we want to tell everybody. So uh, for those of you who listen to the show, you already know that we had a pledge to donate $1 for every pullover guy shirt that we sold out of our merch section. Uh, we had sold, uh, up until this week, we had sold maybe two. Uh, so we were going to donate a whole $2 to the Bob Huggins Fish Fry Foundation. Um, and then, uh, so something kind of crazy happened this week. Holly Rowe of SiriusXM and ESPN uh, picked up on it, ordered a shirt, tweeted out that she ordered a shirt, and uh, we tweeted back. You know what, Holly? Since you're being such a you know such a team player and excited about it, we're excited about it too. So we'll donate five dollars for every pullover guy shirt, sweatshirt, whatever. Five dollars for every one of those sold to the Bob Huggins Fish Fry guys. It took off this week. We've sold something over 50 shirts already. We've raised over $225 for the fish fry. And we're going to continue to do this all the way up until the fish fry happens, which is virtual this year, unfortunately, but it's on February 26th. Check it out, bobhugginsfishfry.com. And uh, every shirt that we sell, every pullover guy shirt that we sell between now and the 26th, we're donating $5 uh, per shirt. So Johnson, they got to get to the merch store and check it out. Yes. And it's, how cool is that? I mean, I, I I was so like ecstatic when I saw Holly's tweet over the weekend during the Florida game. That was super cool of her and and people kind of know Holly's story too for I mean she's uh you know she's had her battle with cancer too. So I think she appreciates what Hugs does with the fish fry and I I'm just super excited that now we get to make a um you know a way more significant donation than we thought we were going to be able to. So just thanks to everyone who has visited the merch store and if if you're listening and you haven't, please check it out. And make sure that uh, if you do uh, direct somebody to the merch store that you're either going to our link on our website or um, our Twitter feed and get our you know get the link off of our Twitter feed because yeah there may be some ne'er do wells out there trying to uh, sell you shirts that aren't going to donate to the fish fry. Scoot, when do they do well? Ne'er. They ne'er so they we, ne'er do well. We we saw some tomfoolery, if you will. Uh, and I think you yeah. will in Holly's responses 
and it really kind of just made us frustrated. So if you see those, you know, someone was trying to kind of edge in and say, "Hey, go here and buy a shirt," and it was totally not our site. So and it was like four, it was like five dollars cheaper yeah, than our so shirt. Just, or something so like just so just pay yeah. attention to that because you know, like Guido said, we're gonna um, we're gonna be pulling together our our donations. So uh, I mean, I appreciate the fact that these people buying these knockoffs are gonna have our G Y E O logo on their shirt, and people yeah, are gonna be like, "Where'd right. you get that?" And you're gonna tell them that you got it from a knockoff. I mean, that's kind of like. Uh, I feel like we're on Canal Street in, in New York, and uh, <laughs> we're selling those knockoff uh, Prada bags. Well, my my hope is for your, uh, the next coming weeks that you know I can get some of these. I don't I don't know if you guys know any former you know WVU basketball players to maybe tweet it out, push it out to their following, <laughs> get some of these shirts sold. I mean, maybe maybe we know somebody who can kind of help out with that. I don't know, but I'll ask around. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ask around if you don't mind. Uh, so five dollars if you go to our uh, website, gotyourearson.com, it'll take you to our merch section. You get yourself a uh, Bob. Uh, well, there's I mean, it's got a it's got a silhouette of a person on it, and it says pullover guy. And that's that, that's that fair to yes, say? Yes, that's fair. Currently, yes. Diddy, we are still low on stock on the fanny packs, the fanny bags. Fanny pack? What am I saying? Still, <laughs> my brain went into like a freeze because I never, I never mess with them. Uh, I know Brent loves them, so uh, <laughs> the fanny pack, fanny pack, yeah, is uh, limited and or sold out, and I, I yeah. can only imagine that Brent has flooded our our merch store um probably looking for the bedazzled kind we i think he was interested in bedazzled i think you accuse brent of this uh every time he's on the show uh well i mean i call him like i see him (laughs) hey i had a friend of mine ask me what the deal was with fanny with me and fanny packs actually after the show so scoot i appreciate it see yeah we'll we'll talk about that off air (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Brent's gonna beat me up. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. All right. Well, we should probably talk about some West Virginia University basketball. You know, yes. we, should, we, probably should. Yes, uh, we probably should. WVU drops a tough one against another. We just can't win in this stupid Big Twelve SEC challenge. Well, I just don't hate you it. think it's funny? And I, I mean, we've got someone here that knows basketball way more than us. But isn't it funny how, like, I feel like every time we discuss this Big 12 SEC challenge, we spend the whole time talking about how superior the Big 12 is in basketball to these all these SEC teams. Then it feels like most of the time, if you're WVU, you come out on the wrong end of these matchups. So, and, and yeah. this was yet another uh, another instance. Of 85 that. to 81 loss against Florida. And I think we all have uh, a bunch of opinions on this game, and we'll talk about them. Bob Huggins came out after the game and had a lot of opinions about defense and lack thereof. And and I actually, not just with defense, but talking a lot about how these guys uh, won't dive on the floor, don't go after the ball, um, you know. And and he kept telling, he kept saying. Uh, in the post-game press conference and in the interview with Tony Caridi that these guys just aren't tough. They're not tough. You can't – one of his lines was, you know, these kids today, you just can't coach them like you used to coach the old players. Uh, so I, I think that Huggins um, was not real happy with their, uh, their, I guess, drive for this game. Do you think that's coach uh, speak? Do you think do you do you think that's trying to motivate your team? Or? I don't – what do you think, Brent? Is that coach speak or is that – is he really that frustrated with how they're playing? Uh, I, I do think um, 
some of that may be coach speak, but I I would almost guarantee you'll see more people hitting the um, hardwood the next game. You know, to think that the players don't listen to the coaches' post game comments and all that, they do. Especially now with social media and the ability to go on uh, anytime you want and and click on links. Back in my day, you had to catch it actually on the radio where someone told you about it secondhand. But now. I can guarantee you almost everyone would listen to every post game that the coach does. And that kind of stuff motivates you, right, Brent? I mean, you hear when you hear it publicly and the coach has gone out and said, my guys are soft or um, they're not they're not as tough minded as, you know, some of the, the alumni. They take that a little bit to heart. And you like you said, you're probably going to see more guys uh, get after it, especially in the short term. Now, whether that they dial back a little bit as time goes on, I don't know. But I, I think you do see, especially guys don't like being uh, embarrassed or, or made to seem like um, they're not giving their all. And I think you will see, I think like you guys said, it is some coach speak to try to motivate guys to maybe give a little bit more than what they're given. Yeah, I it, it, it I, I imagine it's frustrating for a coach, especially like Huggins, who's known for defense, who's known for that blue collar style of play to to um, talk about his own team like that. But I, I'm sure that it's going to have a positive effect on anyone who's not scoring 28 points and grabbing 12 rebounds a game. You know, everyone else out there, they might not be, um, you know, Derek Culver, but they can certainly give 110 percent and dive on the floor and, and do all the little things well well can i ask a question too right off the bat so we saw the florida player that came in and then a technical foul was called because apparently he wasn't listed on the roster and i genuinely don't understand how that happens and i wanted to bring it up with you guys brent especially and i think for one thing i'm shocked that it happened to begin with i was then like so the where i was watching the conversation that broke out was we were shocked that the refs caught it and like called the technical because I would have never known that. So how does that even happen? Okay. So they, the refs probably wouldn't have caught that. They probably got called over to the uh, scores table and, and someone on the bench probably was the one that actually caught that. Well, that um, makes sense. Yeah. You know what? That's something that I don't think that ever happened when I was playing, but uh, I think you do have to submit to the um, official book. Hey, here's who we got playing. And I don't know if they had a, a walk-on or a change of jersey or just a, um, a typo or what. But, I mean, I understand that that can happen, but it is surprising because it doesn't happen very frequently. How ironic was it that the guy that it happened to happened to be the largest human possibly in the Coliseum? <laughs> He's 6'11", 290, yeah. Jatobo. Can't miss the guy. Well, like, it sounded like Mount Jatobo. <laughs> You're like, not going to miss that. How, we, how did Mount Jatobo get missed? <laughs> like, that guy yeah, was true. massive. He that's made Derek Culver look, like, scrawny, and he's not. Well, Like, it was amazing. This- didn't this game feel like you know i if if someone didn't see this florida game and you had to if you had to catch them up or you had to describe kind of what it felt like to me didn't didn't it feel very much like when we talked a few weeks ago about the texas game you had this opportunity at home against a solid team now florida to me is not the caliber of team we're talking about with texas but again you've you know it's back and forth but you've pretty much held the line all game and then near the end you you know i felt like they just kind of lost the handle on it. There was a sequence there late with uh, Castleton, their big guy, um, who just sort of like caught a deflected ball from Gabe. And it was like, look what I found. He laid it in and went up 
I think they went up, uh, you know, kind of like with a five or six point lead. That that was a killer late. But to me, it felt like that Texas game. You're at home, you know. Let's hold, let's hold home court, and we kind of we kind of let it get away from us. Yeah, it's one of those games at the end of the season where you're always talking about, hey, if we would have won this game or this other game, we might have gotten a better seed. Or sometimes it can even be the difference between making the NCAA tournament or not. So it's just. It's unfortunate that we drop both of them, and, and it can come back to haunt you significantly. I don't think it will this year. I think we're pretty much a lock for the tournament, but uh, um, it, it, these games could cost us some seeding for sure. Well, just to kind of talk about some of the gameplay, I mean, this was this was really the first game in a while, in a couple of games, at least definitely since you know we came back from our COVID break, that Deuce just – he had – you know, for lack of a better term, an off day, you know, shots weren't falling for him. It wasn't as easy as the other, as it looked like, you know, some of the other games had been for him. And then you start to look at it and you go, well, McNeil had a great game. He had what, 21, you know, Derek did, Derek was Derek. He had his double, double. Um, but if Deuce isn't, you know, scoring mid teens points, can this team win without him scoring those points? I mean, you, you lean heavily on Culver and McBride and when we, McBride's shooting, three for 15 from the field in which he did he just that makes for a long night for us because we don't have oscar in there to help get the rebounds now we're, we're counting on culver and gabe and maybe uh emmett to get in there and, and get some rebounds and when deuce is off like that it makes for a long night and uh i don't want to say i'm surprised we hung in this close but we need uh him and culver badly every game and when one of them's off it 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 makes it tough to win I'm going to say something that's very unpopular with this this crowd. Okay, I'll try to brace myself. So Surprise. um, (laughs) Surprise. So when uh, I thought for Deuce, things changed for him. He started strong. I think he had three. He was like three for four shooting to start the game. The first four minutes, that segment, he looked like he was just going to pick up where he left off. I think things changed for him offensively. And when Jordan McCabe came out of the game and Deuce had to be the point guard, because I think that that seemed to be when, not to say that Jordan has made Deuce able to score more points, but I I think the responsibility of being uh, the guy bringing the ball up the court and Florida was fast and they, they did put a little bit of pressure on the inbounds. Uh, I think that that might've, I don't know, maybe steered him in the direction that he kind of went. Yeah, I mean, I think Florida had big athletic guards. I mean, give them credit. I mean, they played a good game. They had athletes. And I thought, you know, where I was watching, we were talking about how much size Florida seemed to have across all five positions. They had, they seemed to like, you know, they had big guys at every position. But I think, too, I had just talked on the previous show and sung, and I'm still going to sing them, but, I mean, I was singing the praises of Jalen Bridges and how, you know, he's been such an impact lately. And I think we saw that because of – the struggle that he seemed to have Saturday. He ended the game, you know, zero points. I think he actually got into foul trouble, you know, late with like three fouls at one point. He got a couple rebounds. He didn't really even um, get many shots up, you know. So I think where where he had kind of been, you know, to Brent's point, like you you're, you lean so heavily on McBride and on Derek Culver, I was starting to think that Jalen Bridges was, you know, he was – in these prior games, such a wonderful compliment with, you know, 13 points, 15 points, what, you know, whatever he was pumping in from, from the other forward position. So I think when you look down the box score and you see a zero from that spot, you have to imagine, you know, that's, that was certainly an impact. Yeah. So um, 
Jalen tweeted, I don't know if it was after the game or the next day or what, but he actually apologized to like the Mountaineer fans out there and said, um, you know, he was sorry that that was his performance and it won't happen again. And uh, you want to talk about maturity for a freshman to come out and just take ownership like that, whereas a lot of players may blame it on teammates not getting them the ball, um, the coaches not playing them right or whatever. To come out and own a, a poor game like that speaks a lot about what kind of person he is and his maturity at that young age. And I was, you know, really happy to see that. Yeah, I, I saw that too. I I totally agree. And I was thinking too that I, I hope that also means that people aren't like being ding-dongs on social media and like tweeting at him and stuff because hopefully that's not happening. I agree. One of the big positives besides Derek Culver's output was with Derek Culver at the foul line, it was a noticeably different foul shot technique. Yeah. And he was 14 for 17. Yeah. And can you yeah. imagine had he shot his whatever he's shooting, 56%, I think is what right. he's kind of at. If he shot 56% on Saturday, we're not even in that game. I mean, it's a – I was going to say, it's a we're, – we're down 10 points most of the game, I would say. It was our third best foul shooting game this year. Uh, 71%, I think, is what we finished at. I mean, the problem was is we shot great – the foul shots were great the first half – and then they only shot like 60% in the second half. I think they were like 82% in the first half. Brent, when you played, did you ever get into a rut or or kind of almost like the yips where things just – foul shots just kind of go awry for a while and then you have to do some things to kind of get it back? Hey, so as, a, as someone who didn't get, you know, double-digit shots every game, um, sometimes when you're running up and down and – pushing big guys around and all that and you're not getting the 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 touches or the the shots uh the field goals stepping to the line cold kind of out of rhythm is it's not easy to uh you know keep that rhythm like a like a Sean McNeil who's who's shooting 15 times from the field and uh you know to step right up he's going to be kind of in the motion or in some type of zone where he can just step up and knock it down. Now the big guys who, you know, like a, a Gabe, who's eight, 18 minutes this game, he was 0 for 1 from the field. He, you you get him up to the free throw line. He doesn't have any type of rhythm going on, and he shoots 0 for 2 from the line. So the guys who get more shots in the game, I feel like they have that rhythm and they're more likely to hit make the free throws. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that that's a good point. Would you say, Scoot, that uh, that Gabe's foul shooting problems might though be because he shaved his head? Could that possibly be the issue? Uh, I mean, I think it's a he's faster, so he probably wasn't expecting the oh, okay. uh, yeah. he was expecting resistance. Maybe I don't know, but I I I think you're right, Brent, in the sense that, and I never really I guess never really thought about it. That like Derek Culver, for the most part, how often is he actually shooting a shot beyond ten feet? I mean, very rarely. So his form for shooting is going to be a lot of those soft hooks, uh, you know, layups, dunks, and it's not a traditional jump shot, which is kind of what the free throw is minus the jump. So never really thought about that. Yeah, but his, you know, he had eleven shots from the field. And uh, he shot, what, 63, 64% from the field and like 82 from the line. That's We can't expect him to be that good every game. So we need some other guys to step up for sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting too, Scoot, that I don't know if you caught that commentary from from the one ESPN 
uh, person working the the game saying like, you know, kind of analyzing his foul shot and saying, well, you know, until he works out that kind of hitch in his shot, he's not really going to improve. And I, I feel like everyone was watching the game saying, no, Thank that's God actually he's got the, the hitch. Yeah, yeah, like that's the improvement. <laughs> Thank so you, God, so. he put the hitch in there because I fixed it. <laughs> yeah, That was probably Jimmy Dykes. Brett, just to get an idea from you on, you know, your feel since Oscar has left the program and we've we've seen the defense and the team as a whole change like you, you I'm not used to I mean Huggins has been up here what 14 years he's been coaching I'm not used to seeing you know us giving up 87 85 points a game that's very unhuggins like the defense looks like they're having a hard time uh out there what what are your thoughts right now defensively well, he he's known for defense. I remember when he first came in that first year, he had all of Beeline's guys. And, and the major difference you could see between a Beeline coach, WVU team, and a Huggins team was the defensive intensity. That's how he coaches. That's what he expects. And uh, if you're not playing like that in practice, you're going to be on a treadmill until you do play like that. So to have a team come out, though, like that and where he takes so much pride in defense – and, and um, like I said, that blue-collar hard work to have the guys not be all over the place, it, it's got to be very frustrating for him because that's what he's known for. That's That's been his style for decades, I'll say. And uh, I, I don't think you'll see that continue the rest of the year. I, I thought we saw that at one time a couple years ago when Issa was playing and, and there were some guys who weren't, you know, in the game and he made some significant changes that season but uh i i don't see any significant changes happening this season like that but uh i i think he loves this team and i think he will get them to play harder i don't think that'll be an issue you know late february into march i was gonna say mid-season like this is it easy to change up like defensive strategy as it is you know compared to like taking more shots to practice or whatever you know like when you have a team that's morphed so much from having like the too big Oscar situation to what we have now and having to rethink the defense because of that, like, is that difficult to do mid season? Well, it's barely been a month since Oscar left. So I think everyone's, you know, we've, we've looked very good. You know, that Texas tech win was huge for us, but uh, I think there may be still a little bit of everyone feeling out about who's going to, uh, you know, get the minutes and what everyone's role is on the team. I, I think, you know, in another few weeks, I don't think we'll have these defensive issues we're having right now. I'll I'll be honest, uh, and I've texted the guys a little bit about this. The offense, for me, and I don't know of anybody else, but for me, it's a lot more enjoyable to watch. It It's not as, um, I don't want to say the offense before was awful, but it it was a struggle sometimes to even get a shot. Now we're getting shots, we're getting good looks, and, and it seems to be a lot more free-flowing. Uh, other teams obviously understand that we're going to try to get the ball to Derek. They're going to come over and double-team. And it's really important that McNeil, Taz Sherman, um, Emmett, Bridges are open or moving to open space so they can get good looks and good shots off of that double-team to Derek. Um, and it, it seems to be working well offensively where we're losing maybe some of that energy is on the defensive end. Yeah, so right now we're an inside-out game, um, or, or team, I should say. Feed Derek if people collapse. We do have great shooters, just exactly like you said. Now, six weeks ago, we had uh, more of a high-low game. We'd feed the ball into Derek. He'd try to uh, you know drop it down to Oscar, and 
you know, we they were just packing the middle and we didn't have all of the shooters out at the same time. So, you know, I do like watching this um, this style of basketball better. I think uh, we were playing better as a team instead of as individuals. And it, it's not it's not crazy that this has happened where you have potentially your best player on your team leave if the chemistry is not there and the team gets better. That's I've seen that happen multiple times. And I've told people, hey, my senior year, was not our most talented team. And that was the first year WVU went to the Sweet 16 in 30-some years. My uh, junior year, we were far better uh, p- position by position. Uh, but just our, our chemistry was much better our senior year, and we, we were way more successful. So it's not surprising to see someone. I, I don't know how Oscars, you know, relationships were on the team, but it's it's not super surprising for me. Well, I don't think we've seen... Sometimes we see guys that, you know, on social media nowadays, we see guys rally around each other when somebody transfers or or puts their name, like, uh, and we're going to talk about him later, but Alex Sinkfield, um, yeah. he put himself into the transfer portal and guys have been tweeting about, you know, good luck, you know, and going to miss you and that kind of stuff. Uh, not to say that Oscar had a bad reputation, or anything, but I didn't see a lot of that with, from, from people – close to the program saying good luck Oscar I mean there were some but not not like he was uh, a beloved guy amongst everybody I saw some of that too and uh um no it's nice to see players you know a one player I'm a stickler for quitting during you know quitting on your teammates and that kind of felt you know what Oscar did it's mid-season I'm just gonna leave because I'm my future is more important than everyone else's on the team but I did see some of that support as well where guys were tweeting to him and, uh, you know, uh, Instagram stories, good luck, Oscar, you know, love you, bro, bro, or, bro, or whatever. So, no, it, it was nice to see those guys um, say those nice things about him. One other thing that I thought was interesting that I wanted to bring up to Brent, I, I happened to see this through uh, Mitch Fingal's, um Twitter account, but it was a quote saying from Hug saying, uh, I take all the responsibility um, – we have more guys talking in the huddle. Everyone's talking. Nobody knows what they're doing. We did not come out of the huddle knowing what we are doing. Even though I'm trying to tell them what to do, I'm trying to draw it up on the clipboard. Uh, I'm trying to explain to them what's supposed to happen. But it says I have other guys who are talking away about what they think should happen while all that's going on. So I that just that, that just surprised me. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot to read in there, but it just that kind of surprised me a little bit. That was another part of the the post game comments that he made, and I thought, do you think he's talking about coaches or players? Yeah, I don't know. It kind of sounds like across the board is kind of what it sounds like. I know when I was playing, um, I Coach Catlett was drawing up a play, and I was pointing something out that I thought maybe someone else didn't see. Coach Catlett stopped ta- stopped talking, looked me dead in the eye like fake handed me the clipboard said Solheim you want to coach the team (laughs) and uh, I was just like nope and I never said another word in the huddle until our uh, NCAA run like two years later so um, I'm sure Huggins you know will will shut that down and he'll get everyone listening uh, very quickly so WVU tough loss to Florida there Plays Iowa State on Tuesday on ESPN Plus. So, you know, get your plus on, guys. Scoot your fave. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Put the quarters in the TV. Time to watch the game. The quality is uh, tremendous. 
Um, but then after the Iowa State game, so, you know, Iowa State, we've already beat them once this season. Uh, not something to overlook, but, you know, not one of the top tier teams in, in the Big 12. But after Iowa State, it just becomes a gauntlet. It is, you know, you've got Kansas, Texas Tech again, Oklahoma, Baylor, Baylor, Texas. Like, crazy schedule coming up. And I'm I'm stressed about it. I, I don't know if you noticed, like, our, our buddy Josh, uh, I am Josh Witt on Twitter, um, Unreasonable Doubt. So he said, you know, has there been a tougher six-game stretch in recent memory for WVU basketball? I would say no. I mean, I can't think of one. It's crazy. I would say no. Well, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Huggins, I don't know if he tweeted or was interviewed, and, and somebody asked him about that, how, you know, how does he feel having this big stretch of games against Baylor twice in a row and Texas and Kansas, and he said he's more scared of the unknown. He knows who Texas is. He knows who Baylor is. He's not scared of them. He's scared of the unknown. So – uh, I think if you kind of approach it with that mindset, I mean, he can at least strategize and game plan. I'd rather that than not know if you're going to play or, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, true. And, Brett, you played, you know, when you played back in those Big East days, I mean, you guys would have gauntlet schedules like this, too. I mean, some of those Big East teams were beasts, and you would play two or three top 15 teams back to back. Like, how do you prepare as a player when you know this is coming down the line? You just try to take it one game at a time. And, and you're right. We would play, you know, Allen Iverson one night, and a week later we'd play Ray Allen and then go up and play John Wallace from Syracuse, which, you know, didn't have the NBA career that the other guys had. But he was, you know, a heck of a basketball player that carried that Syracuse game to the national title game that year. Um, so all kinds of studs back then. And all you can really do is prep for the next game and not not try to look past anyone because as soon as you do that, you end up uh, taking a loss to a, a game like or a team like Duquesne while you're you know looking at your uh, team one week down the road. So th- that's all you can really do. Just focus on the next game. So WVU plays Iowa State Tuesday, seven p.m. Guys, thank goodness it's not a nine o'clock game. Yeah, seven that's, p.m. That's, on that feels so nice already. Yeah, we'll be able to stay awake for it, right, Brent? <laughs> Yeah, that Texas Tech game. I can't believe that I missed it. I fell asleep at halftime. Those nine o'clock games, man, they hurt. They're rough. They hurt. They're rough. Well, I mean, they yeah, they're terrible. Come on, man. And then Kansas on Saturday, uh, uh, two p.m. in the Coliseum on CBS. Nice national televised game there against the Jayhawks. Uh, guys, other basketball stuff. Uh, Isaac McNeely decided not to come to WVU. He ends up committing yes. to UVA, going to be a Cavalier. Right. And uh, and we already knew that because – We already knew that. J.M. Kreitz told us, yes. Yeah. He called it. He called it earlier or early on Twitter for us, so, um, so good, good for him. Yeah, and I know uh, we don't often talk about this team, but how about our women's team? Oh, yeah. How about them? Eight straight wins for the women's yeah. team, 13-2 and two on the season. Um. Kaiser Gundrezik. I know who you're talking about, Scoot. I know who you're talking about. I don't know how to pronounce her name, but I think her dad played in the NBA. He did. I think it's Gundrezik. I think you might be. Yeah, right. I was going to say Kaiser Gundrezik had a 30-point game, her last game, against um, Texas Christian University to lead uh, the Mountaineers to their eighth straight win. Yeah, I mean, so eight in a row. They're, they're playing lights out right now. They are rolling. And she's doing a great job while having to, you know, overcome, unfortunately, the loss of her her father midseason. So that just recently happened. Yeah, right. 
that women's team right now ranked in the top 25, playing well. Uh, so definitely keep an eye eye on them. You know, like we always say, we've what, what are we? We got Bob Huggins Court, right, Scooty? At uh, and what are we calling the at big? the Tudor Biscuit Basket? Yeah, the the Mike Carey the Mike Carey baseline the Mike Carey baseline on Bob Huggins Court at the Tudor's Biscuit Basket. We're changing the I name like of it. the uh, Coliseum I to like the Tudor's it. Biscuit Basket. I like it. Tudor's Biscuit Basket. Uh, some quick football talk, guys. Uh, just to you know, something Scooty already mentioned. Alex Sinkfield. Uh, has decided to enter the transfer portal and leave WVU. He's got two years of eligibility left for whoever picks him up. Uh, so hate to see him go. Might be good for our boy Mark Rucker, though. Could be good for him. Yeah, Mark should. Uh, he'll move. He'll move up. Next man up, maybe. Surprising though, right? Uh, and uh, in other news, I don't think we talked about this last week. Uh, Jamile Adai has decided to leave WVU to become. A coach at Georgia, kind of the same position, I guess, in a way, right, Johnson? Yeah. So this happened, I think, right after we posted last show. So um, he had interviewed for the position earlier in the week, and I think it just came up as like one of those opportunities he felt he he couldn't pass up. I think he's going to the exact same position with Georgia. And for me personally, this makes me so sad because like I, I loved. Jamila Dye as a player, he was one of my favorite uh, defensive players during his day. I've loved him as a coach. I think he's been great for us. Um, but you know what? Best of luck. I mean, when when you know a chance a chance to kind of widen your exposure, widen your reach um, across the football landscape. You know, I'm sure he's a guy that's probably looking to maybe be a head coach someday. I mean, it, that probably is an opportunity you can't pass up. So I, I hate it, but at the same time, you know, good for him and, and best of luck. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. I mean, I thought, you know, the de- I, I, I feel like that he was a big part of, you know, the defense being as good as they were this year and hanging on after everything went down with – Vic Koenig at the beginning of the season. So uh hate to see him go, but, um, you know, it's a next man up mentality. So we'll see what happens with uh, WVU football. Well, listen, guys, let's take a quick break. Brett, you can, you can hang around one more segment with us? Yeah, absolutely. That'll be cool. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and do the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast, a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluff. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortech Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortechKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortech, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortech Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Don't forget, look for us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Got Your Ears. You can also search for us on Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears On. Guys, it's time for Bluff the Fluffs, and I am still like beside myself in the fact that I have to say that Scooty is now leading three games to zero, Johnson. Yeah, I, I'm not feeling very good about my performances lately. I'm three games back in the race. Um, maybe this week I can turn it around. I'm coming in optimistic. Coming in optimistic. Hope, hopeful. He's hopeful. That's uh, pretty sad. Uh, this week, we've asked Brent to stay around this week because we're going to play a little bit different of a game this week. Still, still, 
Still going to be bluff the fluff, still counts, but this week we're going to play a little game I like to call Brent or. All right, so you got to you got to you got to you get a question, you got to decide if it was Brent or the other guy is what you have to decide. <laughs> oh, I boy. like this. I like it. Oh man. Oh man, <laughs> Brent is not happy because he knows there could be some weird, <laughs> weird stuff coming out of this. I'm anxious to see when Brent thinks it's the other guy, and it's <laughs> that's what Brent. I'm anxious to see too. All right, so here's what we're doing, guys. A little different this week, like I said, since it's since it's binary, it's Brent or. Uh, there's no steals this week, so you get a question, you get it right, you get points. You don't get it right, you don't get points. It's All right, pretty pretty simple. Johnson's in trouble because he likes to collect a lot of points off of steals. I do. Final bluff will still be you have to buzz in for it, but we're going to just alternate based on the coin flip that we did here just randomly before we started. And Scooty, you get to go first. Come out All on right. top on the it's coin flip time. again. It's about time. You get the first question and uh, to you. So here you go. Brent Orr, who has the most career personal fouls at WVU? Brent or Cam Thurman? Oh, Oh, this question was made for Scoot. This question was made for Scoot. Uh, Scoot likes to answer Cam Thurman on every basketball answer. Here's the here's the catch, though, is you've got to look at Brent. The Brent played more than Cam Thurman, so I'm going to go with. Well, Cam played all four years. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to. I mean, we're talking time on the floor. I'm going to go. Uh, Brent Solheim had more personal fouls than Cam Thurman. That is correct. He did. Uh, Cam had 225, and Brent had 308. 308 personal fouls. Hatchet. I got my use out of him. (laughs) (laughs) Put a lot of guys on the line, Brent. All right, Scoot, congratulations. Came on top right there with that first one. Johnson, this uh, next one is back to you. All right. Um, Who has more career points at WVU? More career points, okay? Brent or the Istanbul Dennis Kalicha? Oh, that's a really good question. So Dennis, um, I think Dennis played three years or did he play all four years as well? I'm trying to think. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Brent had more career points than Dennis. Sorry, that's incorrect. Brent finished with 869 career points. Dennis had 899 career points. Oh, my gosh. That's close. Ooh, it's close. It's close. Dennis and I think hit a couple more threes than you did, Brent. Dennis. He also had a few more uh, um, hook shots, little uh, sky hook shots. That was my favorite shot of anyone here about the last 15 years. Yeah, that's true. He he made a living on that for a while. It's unstoppable. If you remember, he missed, I think it was at least the first semester of his freshman year. Because he had played on the Turkish national team, yeah, and they were trying to yeah, figure out right. if other people had been paid, or I think the other people were paid, but he wasn't. But they still didn't let him play for whatever reason. Yeah, so hey, they they invited some of us back, alumni back for that uh, uh, midnight madness his first year, and there was another guy on the team by the name of Dan Jennings, mm-hmm. and I remember standing next to both of those guys and looking at the size of their arms and thinking, my God, where where are they recruiting these freshmen from that are full-on, almost bodybuilders? They were so big. Just it, it's, 
two huge guys. Dan Jennings famously walked off the team in the middle of the season, off the bench, and didn't come back. Off the bench. Yeah. He yeah. left the game, wasn't it? I yeah. think he left the yeah. game. He was an incredible athlete, though. He had some uh, the top ten dunks, I think, in uh, uh, on ESPN Sports Center. He went yeah. to where Long Beach State after WB. I think so. I think. Yeah, I think that's where he went. Yeah, Johnson. Sorry, no points on that. Scoot, you still have the lead five to nothing. And Scoot, this next question is back to you. In the 1998 Sweet 16 season that Brett played in, who had more rebounds that season, Brent or Damian Owens? It's a good question. I am going to go with, uh, no disrespect here, Brian. I'm going to go with Damian Owens. That, that's correct. Brent, Brent looked a little sad when no, I asked that question. Uh, no disrespect. <laughs> no disrespect. I always thought it was my job because I matched up with their four or five, usually the other team's best rebounder. I put way more effort into blocking out than going after the rebound. So uh, no disrespect <laughs> there at all. Damien's had 212. Brett, you ended up with 159 that, that is, season. Still nothing to scoff at. Atrocious, really. <laughs> Scoot's never had 159 <laughs> rebounds in his whole life. I bet I said I bet I said 159 uh, picks though when I played. That was all. That's all I was. It was a screen. Scoot's uh, rebounded 159 Coca-Cola classics. Oh man, I'm knocking COVID. him back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, uh, Scoot gets a question right. 10 nothing lead over Johnson. And Johnson, this next question is back to you. Who had a better rebound per game average for their career at WVU? Brent or another forward from Minnesota? I think maybe the only other forward to ever play on the team from Minnesota, Kevin Noreen. Um, also wore 45, I think, too, Brent. No, I, I thought he might be 34. I could be wrong, though. Oh, I might have that wrong. Um, Once again, Guido, I am going to say Brent had a, a better rebound per game average. That is correct. So Brent averaged 3.9 in his career, and Kevin Noreen was 3.2 per game in his career. That's so bad. <laughs> Johnson gets a question right. Only down by five now. Scoot still leads 10 to five. Scooty, this next question is back to you. Who has more career steals at WVU? Mm. Brent or Kevin Pitsnoggle? Oh, man. Well, here's what I'm going to say. I think, like Brent will tell you, he was kind of the blue-collar guy, go to work. Uh, he wasn't as greedy. So I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Pitsnoggle, more steals. That's correct. Kevin Pitsnoggle finished with 109 what? steals. <laughs> Brent had 79. Oh, my Brent goodness. Brent finishes his career at 79. He doesn't like that answer. <laughs> I do not at all. <laughs> Did you think you had more than Pitsnoggle? Yeah, I, w I would have almost bet money on it. I, You know, at least my senior year, I started and was on the front of the Diamond Press that we really was super successful. And I remember getting, you know, some steals on that, but we only pressed my senior year. So, yeah. You had thirty. You had thirty steals your senior year. That one. That one hurts junior. my soul a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. All right, Scoot. Still got a lead, fifteen to five. Johnson. This next question is back to you. Who has played more games in their career at WVU? So who's played in more games, Brent or the logo, Jerry West? 
Oh, gosh. Well, considering I don't really know off the top of my head how many years Jerry West played, <laughs> this is a tough question. Guido, thank you. Um, You're welcome. I'm going to say, I think Jerry West played played out his career there, right? And they lost the, I'm trying to think of like post-seasons and stuff. Um, and because that's my gut feel, I'm going to go opposite of that. And I'm going to say Brent Solheim. That's correct. Brent Solheim played more games for WVU than Jerry West did. 109 to 93 games. So they didn't play their freshman year. So I, back at yeah. that age, yeah, that. I was era. gonna say Jerry West played. He played. They played like a G. They had like a JV team, like a freshman team, their freshman year. And uh, Jerry West played on that freshman team. They led him to 17 wins, but didn't count as playing for the team. And uh, guess who else was on that team with Jerry West? His freshman team, by the way. Jay Jacobs. Jay Jacobs played freshman basketball with Jerry West that year. But yeah, hey, so, so I got a funny story about that because Jay does uh, the uh, the radio and and we got to be pretty good friends on all the road. So he he said a lot of the times he well almost all the time he never got in the game. So he one game he didn't even put on his shorts underneath his warm up <laughs> pants. And when the coach told him to go in, he's like, I can't coach. I don't have my shorts on. <laughs> so that was that's one of my favorite Jay Jacobs stories that he told. That's hilarious. That's great. So, that's... Scoot, that's what you do when you don't know. Very much like my sophomore philosophy class at WVU, I decide what I think the answer is, and then I go opposite. Opposite. That's what I, I like do. that. Very Costanza-like. Well, Johnson, closing it up a little bit there. Scoot has a lead 15 to 10 right now, and back to him. Who has more career turnovers at WVU? More career turnovers. Brent? <laughs> Brent's eyes got big. <laughs> or Tyrone Sally? Oh, man. Turnovers. Well, I, I'm going to say Tyrone Sally may have – I don't know. That's I'm, I'm going to go with Tyrone Sally. That's correct. Tyrone Sally had 276 career turnovers. Brent, do you want me to say how many you had? You want me to just keep it quiet? No, you can say. <laughs> 120, 123. 123 is not bad for four years of ball. Also less than half. Less than half. Uh, yeah. Tyrone Sally half. played more like a like a swing man, right? He was like a an off guard or a or a small yeah. forward. So my thought was he probably had the ball in his hands at the top of the key more, which might have led to more That's turnovers. possible. I thought he was a 3-4. I like how Scoot kind of danced around that a little bit. Uh, was... Scoot, Scoot didn't want to say that, that Tyrone Sally got the ball more than you. I Brent. did not That's say really that. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good job, Scoot. You still have the lead 20-10. to 10. Johnson, this next question's back to you. A couple more questions before final bluffs here. Okay, who had – who averaged – more minutes per game in their career. More minutes per minutes per game. Brent or Bob Huggins? Ooh. Oh my goodness. Uh I'm still gonna stick with Brent on this one, Guido. Sorry, that's incorrect. Brent averaged twenty-three point eight minutes per game. Bob Huggins averaged twenty-seven point four minutes per game. Oh wow. All right. Here we go. Two more questions. Scoot, this next one's back to you. In their freshman year of 1995, I think it was 95, right? That was your freshman year, right, Brett? Yeah, 94-95. Who had the better free throw percentage, Brent or Jared West? Oh, uh, no disrespect, uh, Brent. I'm going to go with uh, Jared West. 
That's incorrect. Their freshman year, Brent had a better free throw percentage. Brent's free throw percentage was 72.8 their freshman year, and Jared West's was 62.8. So he shot better free throws. Career-wise, he was much better than you, Brent. But, but that year, you were better than him. I think I progressively got worse for the free throw line <laughs> over the years. But that goes back to me. Jared, Jared West, obviously, a, a far better outside shooter than I am. But what I said earlier about when you're not getting a lot of shots, not getting a lot of looks during the game to go out and shoot free throws cold is – is not an easy thing to do. See, I think I think Brent duped me. I think he led me down that path where I had to go with Jared West after our talk about free throw shooting. Uh, he made me kind of believe that I needed to go with Jared West on this, as that answer. Johnson, let's, last question before final bluff, back to you. Who finished their West Virginia University playing career with a better field goal percentage? Finished their career at WVU with a better field goal percentage. Brent or Oscar Schwebe. Oh, wow. Based sort of on the amount of bunnies I saw Oscar miss prior to his leaving, I'm going to go with Brent once again. That's incorrect. Really close between the two of them. 54.5% for Oscar, 53.6% for Brent. So, Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's a tough one. I always take pride. That's like the one where I'm still in the top 10. So to have, you know, get bumped down one, that that one hurts the most. <laughs> well, and I guess the comparison of attempts has to be extremely lopsided. Yeah, the, yeah, it is. So, all right. So here we go. Going into the final bluff, which is worth 25 points. Johnson, you're down by 10. Scooty has a lead 20 to 10 right now. And this last question, as always, you guys have to buzz in to answer it. And uh, let's hear your buzzers this week. Johnson, what do you got for a buzzer? Sweet 16. All right, Sweet 16. Scoot. Brentzelheim! <laughs> you going to yell it like that, too? Is that, yeah, you have to say it just like that yes, if you yes. ring in. That's my buzzer. You asked what my buzzer right. was, that's what it is. All right, final, final bluff right here. Worth 25 points. As we know, Coach Catlett, free throws were important to him. He liked to make you guys practice free throws before you could go take showers, uh, some stories I've heard. But who has the better free throw percentage while pay- playing for WVU? Brent or his coach, Gail Catlett? Sweet 16. Johnson for 25 points in the win. I regret buzzing in first. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, so you said career free throw percentage. Career free throw percentage. Who's better? Coach Catlett when he played back in the 60s or Brent when he played in the 90s? So Brent just admitted that he feels like he went down from that 72% mark his freshman year. Um, I'm going to say Brent Solheim. That's correct. Yeah. Brent Solheim has a better <laughs> career free throw percentage than his coach, Gail Catlett, did. Brent shot 67.7 for his career. Gail Catlett, 61.6 for his career. Did, did, uh, did you ever throw that back in his face, Brent? I was going to say, did you ever rub that in his face? So what's crazy about that number, though, is, uh, you know, kids can go online and, and see all, you know, all kinds of stuff. And my son specifically got online and looked up my career field goal percentage. And whenever I'm giving him grief about something, he's like, hey, hey, dad, you shot 67 percent from the free throw line. Oh, man. And I do think, though, <laughs> over the course of college, as as the engineering classes got harder my free throw percentage got worse. So I'm, I'm blaming that on 
the tough classes that Johnson and I took together all those years. <laughs> there you go. Less time on the court, more time in the library. That's right. All that learning you yes. had to do. Well, congratulations, Johnson. Back on the board. Scooty now leads three to one. You feel a little bit better? I do, man. This just feels good. This feels like that optimism I came in with is is uh is, you know, it paid off. Scoot, I had it all the way. Never in doubt on oh, that question. It was constantly in doubt. I feel like there was uh something maybe amiss going on there. Ah, <laughs> uh, conspiracy! Your your conspiracy, conspiracy theory all day. Like uh, like some of those free throws, there was something amiss. All right, hey Brent, as always, thanks for being on the show, man. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you. It's always fun. Um, anytime. Yeah, let's. Uh, we'll have you back sooner, especially after this uh, this gauntlet of games that we're all going to have to watch and and hold our breath for for the next uh, three weeks. So we'll get you back on sooner than later. All right, everybody. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with a segment that we like to pluck from between Scooty's ears and give to you. It's a little segment we like to call, I can't believe my ears. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia owned and operated company that specializes in heavy duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior the Weekend Warrior, and the Outdoor Warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio. You'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Don't forget, check out our website on which you can find the merch section where you can buy a Pullover Guy shirt. Every shirt that is ordered from us, Pullover Guy shirt, uh, Pullover Guy sweatshirt, though we are donating $5 per shirt to the Bob Huggins Fish Fry, which uh, supports the Norma Ray Huggins Foundation, all of that cancer research. Uh, so definitely uh, get on our website, right, Johnson? Check it out, gotyourearson.com. Yeah, and you can check out, so first and foremost, check out the Pullover Guys shirts, and you can get them in sweatshirts and, and other things too, but you can also check out the rest of the merch we have on offer. And while you're on the website, uh, we always post the latest show in the blog, uh, along with all the links to stuff we talked about um, this week with Brent. And then we also have the latest show posted in the sidebar. You can listen to it right on the site, so check everything out. Yeah, check it out, gotyourearson.com. Well, every week we tell Scooty to loosen up his thumbs, go out there on the internet, search for something interesting, and tell us about it. It's a segment we like to call, I Can't Believe My Ears. What do you got for us this week, Scoot? Well, fellas, um, I think uh, as children, we all have probably had experience playing with walkie-talkies. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, that's uh, I think a rite of passage as a as a young guy, a young boy. Yeah, I think if you have a clubhouse, you have some walkie talkies. Yes, I would agree with this. Yes, I like. I, I still like walkie talkies. What are you talking about as kids? I, I mean, still, I do you feel the? Uh, I, I think the phone <laughs> has kind of uh, occupied some of the walkie talkie space, if you will. Yes. But um, yeah, walkie talkies still do serve a purpose. I think. I feel like you appreciate the simplicity of the naming choice for the walkie-talkie. It is kind of a yeah, it's kind of a goofy now. Like they couldn't have come up with something a little bit more sophisticated. 
than like walkie-talkie. Calling your car the city drivey or something. <laughs> the city <laughs> drivey. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying drive-y. to think. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what else you would apply that to. Uh, the uh, mm-hmm. I like my the phone. I go with a, a holdy talkie. I put it up yeah, to the right? side of my ear. Holdy talkie, right? So, um, in Germany, there's a gentleman who. Um, uh, didn't ex- didn't actually say that he used walkie-talkies, but I imagine this is how he did this. Uh, he's been arrested in uh, okay. Berlin in that okay. he uh, made radio contact with air traffic and right. uh, was starting to give fake flight orders to airplanes okay. and <laughs> oh, helicopters. Well, I mean, uh, Scoot, that's a... I'm a little confused because that's a pretty strong walkie-talkie, right? Yeah. I, mean, I guess if you're on the right frequency, I guess maybe, maybe it was but... a ham radio. There's those people that get those ham radios yeah, and they right. have ridiculous-sized antennas. It would never occur to me, though, to be like, hey, I think I'm just going to throw out Let me see some, if I can catch uh, a plane here and see if I can I'm get gonna... them to land. <laughs> like, what in the world? I'm going to pretend to be air traffic control for the next couple hours. Yeah, I, that sounds I don't like know fun. I, that I'd, I'd go that route. But... Yes, he made radio contact with air traffic, including police helicopters. And gave oh fake gosh. flight orders while impersonating an aviation official. <laughs> um, he, I'm laughing at this, but it is not funny. He was able horrible, to, right? the police were able to swoop in on his apartment after he made contact with a police helicopter that was dispatched to the neighborhood in hopes of flushing him out. <laughs> so, like, the police are trolling him with helicopters trying to get him to start giving them directions. <laughs> So that they could like they're gonna him. trick him into going no 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 not over my house yeah. to like, the left <laughs> move to the left yeah, right. like what do but <laughs> sometimes when I and I'll go back to the walkie talkies sometimes when you're on a walkie talkie if I'm if I'm trying to talk to you sometimes you get some of that interference maybe a yeah. trucker drives yeah. by or maybe there's some sort of you know like uh, pipeline workers or something or or doing some kind of utilities work or something so occasionally you hear stuff that kind of catches you off guard and then you work on finding a channel that doesn't occupy anybody what would your uh scoot what would your handle be if you were using like would you you know if i think like shepherd the lost sheep you know stuff yeah, like that good, what would your what do you think question. you'd go what do you think you'd go with uh i feel uh, like you're a big daddy to mother hen uh, you know I'm like maybe, something like that uh, uh tom Selleck jr <laughs> tom Selleck jr <laughs> i don't know what do you <laughs> Magnum PI, yeah, <laughs> like Magnum PI. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I think maybe Cheese Man. I'm. A, I think I'm maybe Cheese Man. I think you are maybe Cheese Man. Yeah. Cheese Man to. Uh, what do you think Johnson's? Uh, what do you think Johnson's? Johnson's. Uh, I don't know Johnson. I, I don't know. That's a tough question. I'd be like half and half. I, or or yeah, Chick Filla. Filet. <laughs> you just be filet. Chick. Or, or Chick Filla. We don't want to get cop- no copyright infringement, so it'd be yeah, Cheese Man right. to Chick Filla. <laughs> right. uh, Guido would be JFM. Just for men. You're just you're <laughs> just still accusing him of dyeing his hair. Is that what? That's you're right. Doing? Listen, JFM, you got your ears on. Don't be jealous. Don't be jealous. I ain't got no grays. Don't be jealous. <laughs> I thought you were gonna work in like a Crocs. I mean, we could call him Socks and Crocs. Yeah, man. <laughs> I like Socks that. and Crocs. Uh, Socks and Crocs is 100%. Socks and Crocs, you got your ears on. Yeah, man, definitely. Definitely should be mine. Uh, Socks and Crocs. Scooty, when was the last time you actually used uh, a walkie-talkie or CB or whatever? Uh, When's the last time you were walkieing and talking? Thursday. This past Thursday. Thursday. Oh, that's right. Thursday. I forgot your job. In my line of work, the walkie-talkie is essential. Wait, 
Do you carry one it's around? On my hip. Day? Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah. In my line of work, the walkie-talkie is essential. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. I, I, forgot, I totally forgot that, that sometimes you need to- uh... Do you have a handle at work? Uh, The big ragu. Like, do pe- the, <laughs> the big ragu. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no handle. No handle at work. But I do have some codes that I, I do throw out occasionally um, that I'll yeah. keep to myself in my line of work, though, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. I just, I didn't know Are if we you wise? were just like Eagle One. <laughs> Eagle or, One, know. yeah something like that um people right now are like 100 percent trying to figure out what you do for a living scoot they're like is he a cop i don't yeah. think he's a police officer That's right. why is would you a, need a what does he do with a walkie talkie maybe yeah, he's a okay. maybe he's a warehouse manager for walmart i mean they use walkie does he talkies. work in retail does he use a walkie talkie so that he can tell somebody to open up the fitting room now when you wear your walkie talkie scoot do you have an earpiece like is there an earpiece no. like like you're working uh, at the gap or something i think i could do earpiece with the walkie talkie that i have but i do not there's uh like boy bands you know like yeah like, like secret service no i don't have anything like right. that um that would be unnecessary because at no point do i really need to be worried about my hands being free actually I, to be honest with you if you work in retail, like let's say I work at American Eagle, do I really need my hands to be free? I can't just hold the walkie-talkie. You got to Well, yeah, cuz you got to be able to fold and talk at the same time. Yeah, come on. Fold those I jeans. Guess, talk. I guess. But here's the thing, and I'm You got to be ready at all times. The time. germaphobe in me says, "Do I really want to wear the earpiece that somebody else has been wearing?" Well, yeah, I mean Cuz I'm sure it's not your own personal earpiece, right? I mean, I'm assuming it's yours and yours. I don't know. Only, but. I don't really know how that works. <laughs> okay. But yeah, walkie-talkie, um, I think directing traffic is, of course, a crime. So this man got arrested. Yes, I would imagine it. And uh, he should have just messed with, like, some truckers or, right. like, why, you know, tap into, like, the McDonald's the McDonald's drive-through, yes. but uh, don't call right. airplanes. He did not have yeah. any accidents. Uh, there were no accidents because of anything that he... Thankfully, uh, radioed. Well, listen, guys, it was a tough week for WVU losing to Florida in the Coliseum, eighty-five to eighty. We move on. We play Iowa State in Scooty's favorite location in the Big Twelve in the Hilton Coliseum in Ames, That's Iowa. Ridiculous, Scoot. Hilton, Col- Hilton Coliseum. Yeah, magic. That Hilton magic, which is that ridiculous. Hilton magic. Yeah, it's more like uh, pull a rabbit out of your hat. Kind of like uh, grade B uh, hocus pocus kind of magic. It's not even like uh, David Blaine. There's no David Blaine type magic coming out of that place. So we, you don't like Ames, is what you're saying. You're not. You're not a fan of the uh, Iowa State. Uh, no, no. I can't wait till your oldest daughter plays her collegiate athletics at Iowa State. It will be Ugh. the greatest day of my life. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> the Cyclones, but they've got a bird for a mascot. That makes sense. All right, so West Virginia plays Tuesday against Iowa State. That game is at 7 p.m. You can find it on ESPN+. They play again in Morgantown on Saturday against the Jayhawks. Kansas comes to town at 2 p.m. That game is on CBS. Listen, guys, don't forget, tell everybody, let everybody know, and go onto our website, gotyourearson.com, and get yourself a Pullover Guy t-shirt. $5 for every t-shirt, sweatshirt that we sell will go to the Bob Huggins Fish Fry, and we're going to donate it. We've got over $225 to donate already, and we're just starting, guys. This is going to go all the way to February 26th, so any shirt between now and when the Fish Fry happens on February 26th. And don't forget, check out more information about the Bob Huggins Fish Fry at Bob Huggins Fish Fry. 
Com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. <laughs> <laughs>